0: Have you ever felt as a worship leader intimidated by using technology in worship? It can be hard if you've never used technology in worship to actually start implementing it into your worship services because you just want to focus on leading worship. You don't want to focus on technology. Well, in June of 2020, we're going to be a part of the Worship Innovators Conference. This is going to be two days of practical training for you and your team of how to implement technology in your worship service. If you want to learn how to integrate tracks, how to use Ableton Live, how to integrate lyrics, lighting, how to write chord charts, how to run effective sound checks and rehearsals, all sorts of things that a worship leader needs to know in 2020, this conference is for you. So make sure you sign up at worshipinnovators.com. There's limited space available. So make sure you get your ticket today and learn from the leading companies in worship innovation today. See you there.
1: times God wants to use the quietest person, right? You just think of David, right? Killed Goliath. No one thought that the shepherd boy would slay Goliath. And so I just think that there's so many stories that are just waiting to be written and leaders need to be looked to to say, hey, go over there and crack that book open because that person's got a lot that they can share and contribute. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome back to the Loop Community Podcast. For our interview today, Matt is going to be talking with Jordan Fletterer. He is the worship pastor at Oasis Church here in Chicago. It's a newer church plant, which is really great to just hear about the different roles that Jordan has. Um, Oftentimes at church plants, they don't have a huge staff. And so even though he's the worship pastor, he has to do a lot of different things each week. And so he's going to talk about how to delegate that when you have all of these different roles that need to be filled with a limited staff and how to work with different people on your team. They'll also talk a lot about vision and how to cast that and get your team to buy in. So if these are things you struggle with, get ready for our interview with Jordan Flutter. Jordan, what's up, man? Welcome to the Luke Community Podcast.
1: Hey, thank you, Matt. How are you, buddy?
0: Hey, man. It's good to talk to you again. And yeah. uh, from the first time I met you, I thought, man, this guy has so much just wisdom beyond his years about church leadership, about worship leadership, worship leading, all sorts of things. And I thought it would be so good to get him on the podcast to talk to worship leaders just who are in the trenches doing this every seven days. You're at a church called Oasis in Chicago, which is pretty new. And so, you know, you're doing like a church plant kind of thing. I think you're what, a couple years into it
1: now, right? Yeah, yeah. About, oh gosh, we started meeting officially on Sunday mornings for like, I want to say about a year and a half now.
0: Yeah. See, that's that's awesome. And I think a lot of people think that every church is just some mega church or something. And like, there's, I think the majority <laughs> of churches are smaller churches that are setting up every single weekend, you know, yeah. in a school auditorium or in a, you know, in a, uh, renting a church somewhere. Yeah. So I think that like, you have so much that could relate to like the every man worship leader. <laughs> and uh, I want to just like interview you a little bit and just talk about so like my first question is you know being a worship leader at a church plant relatively new one I'm, I'm sure the answer to this question is yes but I'm curious like do you find yourself wearing a lot of hats and what are some of those hats that you're wearing
1: yeah great question um <laughs> gosh yeah I, I you know just when I feel like I hit a weekend where I'm like all right I'm pretty sure I'll just be able to wear one hat um, it, it never, it never pans out that way. You know, obviously, you know, my wife and I, we moved up to Chicago to help start a church. I came on as, you know, taking over that worship leading, but uh, quickly fell into, you know, taking care of setup up and tear down, you know, or a church in a box is what I call it, right? Setting up equipment every Sunday. So, you know, everything from delegating, uh, what that looks like to turn a space from absolutely a blank canvas into speakers and pipe and drape and, uh, chairs and, and then on top of that, also serving as kind of like an executive pastoral role where I'm overseeing the operational aspects of stuff. So uh, holding all of our ministries, you know, just to a standard, a certain standard of excellence. Excellence is one of our core values, uh, excellence in everything. And so, I, you know, I work with a lot with our various team leads. So overall, gosh, I'd say probably, you know, three or four hats. You know, I started out being kind of the only guy who had any knowledge of live sound. And so that was, you know, really uh, one of our other uh, now pastors, uh, Pastor Andrew, who was a bass player. And I just kind of gave him the basics of how to run live sound and what it looked like. And he took it and just crushed it and ran with it. And so thankfully, that was a hat that I was able to pass off early on. But, you know, I think that's where I'm at now is like, I've got, you know, I've got to think about my hats that I'm wearing and say, okay, how can I delegate? How can I start to take some of these off? And, you know, really start to raise up other leaders. So that's kind of where we are today.
0: Would you say there's any advantages of having multiple roles?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, like for the sake of carrying out the vision is a little bit easier when your hands are in it to start. But obviously, you know, you don't want to be micromanaging to that regard. And so for me specifically, you know, I would say the biggest advantage right now is communication. We're learning at, at a very young age that channels of communication are, um, can be really, really tricky. Um, If you don't have the proper channel in place, or maybe you have too many steps or too many people you need to ask to get something done, uh, either A, it doesn't get done or B, it doesn't get done right. And so I've discovered that right now, me being able to kind of help foster appropriate and like kind of, I don't know, communication, I don't want to say strategies, but communication practices, they're like, hey, this is how we should communicate in this area versus how we should communicate in this area and if we can develop those practices in our young leaders when we grow to a church of you know a couple thousand uh, we've developed good practices at a young age where it just is you know transferable
0: yeah i feel like that's something that is like a superpower of yours of like as far as like raising up other leaders and like delegating and i'm <laughs> curious like how how does someone even do that as far as like let's just say you've got tons of roles you're wearing tons of hats how do you inspire like vision and direction in like your team members? Cause maybe, you know, at a church like yours, I would guess that a lot of these team members are volunteer. So it's yeah, something they're doing yeah. like on the side. Sure. How do you get them to actually like carry it as seriously as you're carrying it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately um, our desire is that if, if you, if you explain the vision well enough, either people are going to catch it or they don't. And so, you know, our, our senior pastor, JP Troleo, he's done a great job of, of continually casting vision, and then I've kind of carried that with our worship team, and you know, the, of course, the other teams where I wear hats. But I basically said, "Hey, look, I'm going to explain to you the vision, and you're either going to get it, and you're going to jump on board, or you're not." And my, my mentality, and maybe this is too rigid, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to force the vision down your throat. I just want you to willingly accept it. If you willingly accept it, it's going to be really obvious to me. And so, the people that willingly accept the vision are the people that I know. That I can pour time into and say, okay, this is somebody who wants to be a leader. And then when I sit down with them, I say, hey, I said, we all have got, you know, we got certain wheelhouses that we operate really well in. And so the analogy I use with my, you know, anybody that, that uh, I'm pouring into, I said, you have an inside lane and you have an outside lane, right? Everybody prefers the inside lane. It's comfortable. uh, It's quicker. um, It's familiar, and so everybody has that inside lane, but what we're failing to do is while maintaining that inside lane, let's try to also operate in an outside lane. What's something that we can stretch ourselves in? And, you know, sometimes we just get so comfortable, we forget about growing. And so I said, hey, I sat down with each person on my team. And I said, OK, I think you, this is your inside lane. Can you validate that? Well, yeah. OK. And you know what? How do you feel about making this be your outside lane? And so I've got a guy. Uh, you know, specifically dealing kind of, I know, maybe we'll get there with our original music, but uh, Cam comes from a live sound background, Uh, went to Columbia, super smart guy. And his inside lane is just that live sound. He could, he can take over any board, any size, any venue. And uh, he's got a little bit of experience kind of, you know, more on the, uh, in touring and working through, you know, a lot of the industry that you're in, right, with publishing and licensing and stuff like that. And I said, Hey, I need your outside lane to be uh, getting us up and running as a church in the regard to make sure we're kind of in good standing with publishing and, and our own original music. Um, you know, I know you should. You probably took some classes at Columbia. How do you feel about that? The guy just lit up. He was like, yes. He's like, I, I know I'll be stretched in that area. I know it's not what I'm used to. I'd love to grow. And so that philosophy I've taken to, you know, everybody else that wants to come alongside and serve.
0: What do you do if you're casting a vision to someone, hoping that they carry the hat, carry the torch, and they don't, like maybe they just don't catch the vision. Do you just Mm. keep wearing the hat? Or do you, you know, force the issue? Do you (laughs) wait till you find someone else?
1: (laughs) I'm of the opinion, you know, and I want to always pursue everybody with love. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, I feel like I've explained everything to them. I feel like I've taught them. I've been in the trenches with them. I've shown them, I've loved on them. What else can I do for them to just, take the hat from me and run with it. You know, it was told to me from a a really, really good mentor in my life. He said, there's two types of people that you're going to work with. People that where you need to kind of crack the whip and people that really you're going to have to pull the reins on. He's like, you got to find the ones where you have to pull the reins because those are the ones that are are the keepers because they're always going to be trying to push everybody forward. And the ones where you're cracking the whip, you're eventually going to end up burning friendships and relationships to where you don't want to force anybody to do anything. And so I kind of wait. I'm very much of a people pleaser. So it gets in a little bit of dangerous waters for me, right? Because my heart wants to be for every person. And I want to like help you develop this love and desire and passion for something. But it's one of those things where I'm like, hey, like if you don't, if you're not like loving to do this, like I know you're a volunteer. I know you've got a family or you've got school or you've got a job. Like that's cool. Like, but you might be potentially keeping somebody else from fulfilling God's calling in their life because you're kind of one foot in, one foot out. So, let me, let me help you be all in or hey, let me take this burden away from you and I want to give it to somebody else so they can step into it.
0: Yeah. It seems like finding people that you have to pull the reins back on are like few and far between. Like it's harder to find <laughs> oh. those people.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, right? Like you, you, you own a, you own a company, and you probably know what it's like when, when it's like, okay, I know I gotta, I know I gotta kick these guys into gear a little bit here. It's like, okay, you know, as as a leader, just like for you, you, I'm sure you're keeping your eyes out, or you're trying to think, okay, how can I lead people to where yeah. they're inspired to go, be those type of individuals where I do have to pull the reins back, but. You're right. You know, if everybody was <laughs> if everybody was like a, uh, you know, was like that where you have to pull the reins, we wouldn't have conferences and books and all these different things we can attend on how to become better right. leaders and better inspired. So
0: Well, so here's a curveball question for you. It seems like a lot of leaders who are, you know, being successful as far as in casting vision, strong teams, are pretty like charismatic people. And what I'm what I'm curious about is like how much Uh, does it matter the the delivery of a vision versus the content of a vision? Meaning like, you know, if somebody's just like super charismatic, chipper, happy, smiley, you know, really energetic in casting a vision, is that actually more important than actually what's being vision casted? Or could you actually just have a really strong vision and maybe someone's not super chipper and charismatic Mm. about it? You know what I mean? Mm. Or is it going hand
1: in hand? That's a great question. I love that question. So I kind of, you know, maybe this is kind of what my gut says, right? Like, I believe that like in worship, let me just use this as an example. Like I believe that when we're we're worshiping corporately, right? Like I say all the time, you know, if we can hoot and holler at the latest and greatest Coldplay concert or, or Drake concert, and people are, you know, joyfully expressing how they feel, I say the same thing to what our response should be when we worship. If you can get excited for some earthly uh, superstar artist, rock star, but you can't get excited for what Jesus has done for you in your worship. What does that mean? Like, do you really have the joy of the Lord or what's holding you back? And so when it comes to like kind of carrying out vision versus the guy that sits there and talks about it and is super excited and can catch this exciting vision and has nothing to show for it, um, I think they both, I think you can't have one without the other when it comes to a position of leadership you know think about a lot of inspiring leaders that we see today uh they're just they have that contagious personality that you just want to be around them and then when you're around them long enough you're going to find out okay does this person actually practice you know the cliche phrase right do they practice what they preach they're casting vision and they actually then being the carriers of that vision or are they just all show and no go and so for me i've there i've like full disclosure right like i'm human i fail like I'm pretty sure I can flip a room really quickly and get them excited and charismatic. And the next day might come and I'm like, oh, snap, like, where's my passion and my drive to get this done or to actually do what I've, what I've encouraged so many people to do. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of leaders. Cause sometimes you, you know, you, you cast vision and get excited and it's like, all right, let everyone get excited with me. Let's push this, you know, let's push forward together. Then you put your head up and you look around and no one else is doing it. And no one else seems to catch that vision and you can immediately get discouraged and say, whoa, but like, I just gave like this great like speech. And like, I feel like the vision is, you know, is, is joyful and contains, you know, a lot of like fruit of the spirit and, and (laughs) you put your head up and no one's there. I think that's what separates good leaders from great leaders. I think the great leaders say, okay, that's fine. Like, no, no, no one's carrying out the vision right now. Well, I got to set the example. I'm not going to be the guy in the back that just sits there and say, Hey, pull me in my chariot. I want to be out front pulling everybody along with me. And so that's, that's my philosophy. But yeah, I mean, I think all leaders are going to fail that. To say that you're all show and go, I'm like, are you really at all times?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Oh, that's good, man. No, that's good. I think a lot of worship leaders out there are wearing multiple hats. And yeah. I know that like when you're in leadership, sometimes there's a temptation of just like, you know what, I know how to do this maybe better or faster than other people. And it's almost like laziness can creep in and you're just like, I'm just not going to be going to train someone. I'll just, I can just do it myself. And Mm -hmm. like, but it's not really, it's not a way to lead a team. And I guess what I'm wondering for a worship leader, you know, if you're talking to a worship leader who's carrying a ton of hats, you know, they're running the production, Mm -hmm. they're setting up the curtains, they're setting up all the chairs, they're planning the worship sets, they're running mic cables, all sorts of stuff. You know, how do you delegate to other members of your team to somehow avoid the feeling though that you have to do everything yourself for it to be done right? It's a Good question.
1: I think if I'm understanding your your question correctly, I, I think I immediately try when I want people to, to kind of jump in, I immediately say, okay, you have to realize you're not doing this for the name of Oasis Church Chicago. You're not doing this for Jordan. You're not doing this for our senior pastor, JP. You're not doing this for your friends that come here. You're doing this for the kingdom. And so, right, like whatever we put our hands and we put our feet to, if we are claiming to be children of, of the Father, like he's given you the ability he's given you the the gifting to carry out the vision right the calling that he has put on our lives, and so I think for me i i I desire for people more than anything um not to not to do or be a part of or participate in anything because of maybe like what I inspired them to do. it's because they just have the conviction of of God's commission right on their lives and so like for me I think if you're if you're a worship leader or any leader out there in a church. At the end of the day, you just have to remind your people that say, hey, you're not doing this for senior leadership. You're doing this to ultimately create a space, create an atmosphere and environment for people to just come humbly before the Lord and just receive his love and further his kingdom. And so more than anything, we let that we let that resound when we get together in the mornings and we start off before we even put a chair into place. We pray together and then an hour before service starts. We actually have worship for our our team. We call it our team time. We call it our team rally where everybody that's serving that Sunday, you get to be a part of just some some spontaneous worship together collectively. And I think that really allows people to get their heart in the appropriate posture.
0: Hmm. That's a cool idea. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's so important to hold things with an open hand and like mm. include other people. Cause yeah, maybe I could do everything, but that's not sustainable. And also it's like really excluding people from the giftings that God's given them. Mm. And, um, but what can be hard is like identifying those people and being like, you would totally flourish running pro yeah. presenter and you yeah. would totally flourish being on our tech team. You know what I mean? Like identifying those yep. people and then instilling the vision in them, I feel yep. like is, is challenging.
1: Oh yeah. Well then on the inverse, right. You got the people, I, you know, most churches, I am not. I mean, maybe that's an aggressive statement, but I feel like a lot of times you get people that come in and say, Hey, I, I want to sing, you know, I I just want to play electric guitar. Yeah. Right. It's just like, I couldn't tell you how many people are like, I'm like, great. Well, you know what? Why don't you show up early? We get here at 6am in the morning. We set up about 150 chairs. And uh, I tell you what, we actually are starting to do worship upstairs with our kids program. So I'd love for you to start to sing with one of the worship leaders that we have up there. And hey, why don't you come get involved a bit? I want to know you on a spiritual level more than I know you on a musician and a talent level. And then then (laughs) it's it's crazy how many many people get up and leave versus how many people are like, all right, I'll be there next Sunday at 6am to help. And so like the people that say I'll be there, man, those are the individuals that I found. Back to your other question. Those are the ones that Hey, I know I'll have one day have to pull the reins and y'all never have to kind of say, Hey, can you can you serve more? It's like, whoa, hey, why don't we why don't we ease up a little bit? Like, why don't you just take some time to receive?
0: So yeah. I do yeah, want to bounce back real quick on just something you guys said. You said about the team time and the prayer you guys do. One yeah. quick note on that. I just think it's interesting that like something I've been thinking about is how much time we spend on a Sunday morning just like sound checking and rehearsing and getting yeah. everything ready. And then a lot of churches just like, all right. Hey, the countdown's at three minutes. Let's let's pray real quick, and then pray for like one minute, and then run <laughs> out on stage. And I think it's interesting that you guys put so much time, set it aside, and energy into the hey, let's really seek God, and <laughs> you know, recognize that we need Him. Yeah, uh, yeah. To do what only He can do.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, you know from uh from day one, you know, I've told our team when we gather an hour before service starts. And we worship and we pray together. I said, Hey, I said, I want you to know as leadership in this church, we are so thankful that you've chosen to serve here. Um, But more than anything, my prayer for you now is that today doesn't feel routine. And today doesn't feel like a checklist. And today is not about the number of people that show up or the amount of offering that comes in or who canceled on planning center last second. Today's about you as well as the people coming in, just receiving a supernatural download of, of, of the father today. Just to receive a fresh re- revelation. So let's take some time where you guys, we recognize that you're serving today, but let's just take some time where you get to cry out and you could just say, father, just be with me today. Help, help me serve today. And like more than anything, I, t- I probably sound like a broken record because I say it every single time that our team time starts at nine 30. I'm like, Hey, today is not about routine. We didn't come to satisfy a checklist. We didn't come to have a service. We came to have an encounter this morning. So let that be your mindset as you go and you serve today
0: yeah that's so good, man. So before we wrap it up, I want to talk about you guys are also doing your own music Oasis yeah you guys released yeah. an EP called the Family Room Part One. so yeah. I mean, tell me about this, it's like you know you're a church of like a year and a half or something. How in the world do you balance you know pro- and prioritize releasing music while still having all these roles and keeping church going? like how are you guys making that work?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound you know like the, like a cheesy answer. But like, man, before even our senior pastors, you know, before they chose to to plant Oasis, they filled their prayer life just with asking for direction from the Lord and just saying like, like father, like we desire to be planted in the city of Chicago, like let your will be done. And so the same thing happened when, um, you know, when, when my wife and I got asked to join the church plant, I said, okay, like, God, you know, that my desire is music and like, I can't, I can't do everything on my own. Like, uh, you know, I, I want more brothers and sisters to come alongside of me and say, hey, I also have a passion for original music. And so the Lord has just poured out his favor on our church. I mean, to say that we're a church of you know 150, 200 people, and I've got um, a worship team of, you know, anywhere from, gosh, uh, 15 to 20 individuals that are talented individuals that I, that I, I would say, hey, you know what, like, like you are a leader in your craft. It's been unreal, and so we've been able to do our own music because just simply God's favor. I mean, he's he's given me so many men and women that are so talented. Everything from maybe maybe they're not a musician, but they're they're amazing with lyrics, or maybe they're amazing with lyrics and they're not a musician. And I've got this massive text thread where we just communicate all the time, and I got people sending me ideas, and then I'm sending ideas, and then we go and we have writing retreats. You know, our senior pastor has said, "Hey, like we want to sew into." oasis church music and so there's been a family that's blessed us and allowed us to use a home of theirs and so now twice we've gone away and we've written original music together we probably have a catalog of about 12 to 13 of our own songs and it's happened because other people have said hey this is this is something i want to be a part of it's not because jordan himself has gone through and jumped through all these hoops and has made it work during late nights it's because people have caught the vision and have had a similar desire and Man, for me it's blessed it's blessed me tremendously because that's been my my desire from day one. We just want to write songs not for the radio, but write songs that are going to draw people to the Lord.
0: Yeah, from the outside looking in, the thing that has inspired me so much and has impressed me by by what you guys are doing and by what you're doing by leading this is that you you seem to have completely figured out how to like delegate and cast the vision to get you know, it's not you just carrying this torch. Like, you've got a team yeah. of like tons of musicians that are all passionate about this and like yeah. excited about it and carrying the load. Like, you're not having to do all that on your own. And, I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on that you're having to organize and figure <laughs> out. Sure. But I feel like so many times, you know, these like churches will start a worship, you know, a worship music ministry kind of thing. And it's just really led by like one guy. two guys a very small circle and i just love that you've opened to the circle so big so wide yeah yeah because i think that is the kingdom of god like yeah i think these closed circles of like oh yeah there's only three or four people going on this writing retreat and it's always the same people is kind of like it's so exclusive and yeah i don't know i i came from a culture that was like that and yeah i constantly felt excluded and I think mm. that uh, it's just the opposite of how the kingdom of God operates. So I applaud you guys yeah. for how you're doing that.
1: Hey, thank you. You know, it's crazy. I would I would have never guessed. You know, we get we have a girl on our worship team, and you know, classically trained piano player, um, starting to make that transition over to contemporary worship. And you, if you would have told me that she she was a phenomenal writer for specifically in the realm of of worship music, uh, when I first met her, I would have been like, wow, I like nothing like like just didn't see it and expect it and she attended this writing retreat for the first time never written her own original music nothing like that and the lord was just giving her a download of lyrics that was absolutely bananas and she was just crying and writing and praying and writing and we would go off into bedrooms and just worship together spontaneously and she would just begin to fill the page with everything that god was just speaking to her and like i think we so much you know on the flip side can be like oh like you're a really good guitar player. Like all those Hillsong leads, like, yeah, you can hit those. So, all right, let's go write original music. And we immediately profile people as they walk into our church. And it's just like, sometimes God wants to use the quietest person, right? And you just think of David, right? I mean, like he killed Goliath. No one thought that the shepherd boy would slay Goliath. And so I just think that there's so many stories that are just waiting to be written and leaders need to be looked to to say, hey, go over there and crack that book open because that person's got a lot that they can share and contribute.
0: Yeah, man. That's, I love that. It's so good. So if let's just say for the last question here, let's just say you're having coffee or let's just say you're driving along with a worship leader who's like 16, 17 years old. Maybe they're just just getting started, early 20s or something. And you're driving along with them right now because they're listening to this podcast. What is something that you would want them to know as a worship leader? Like what's an important, (laughs) just something that you would instill if you're mentoring a worship leader who's just getting started, like what's something that you think is really important for a worship leader to know?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say as soon as this podcast ends, turn off your radio and pray. <laughs> um, you know what what you do in private will come out in the public. The way that you treat people, the way that you honor the Lord, the way that you hone your craft. You know, back back to the David, right? David served faithfully in the shadows, um, and so I would. I've always learned you, know, if you you see it time and time again in Scripture. You know, whatever whatever is happening in your private life. Uh, whatever your posture is, um, you know, are you only worshiping on Sundays and Wednesdays or anytime you gather? Are you worshiping in your home? Like for me, like I, I'm i raising a son right now and I want him to see me worshiping in my home, playing my guitar, praying over my home and not just see me leading worship on Sunday morning. That's that's not that's not what we're called to to be as, as leaders, as worship leaders. I want him to know that, hey, my dad's also a worship leader in my home. So, you know, to the to the young person listening, I would say, what's your prayer life like? Are you praying without ceasing? I'm not saying getting in your prayer closet for 18 hours a day. I'm just saying, are you having a continual conversation with the Lord throughout the day? Or are you only calling on his spirit when you want him to move on a Sunday morning? I feel like the next generation I am I'm so excited for because I think just think they're gonna be an amazing owners of their faith to just say, yo, I, I really desire God's presence in his spirit but I want to make sure that I do it in private just as much as I do it in public.
0: Yep. That's a good word, man. Yeah. Well, Jordan, I'm glad. Thanks so much for just joining us on the podcast. And I appreciate your heart and your passion just for leading people and inspiring vision in them and like giving people the opportunity to flourish. Like you don't hog the stage. You're not Mm -hmm. hogging the songwriting. Like you are like, everything I know about you is just like how do we get everybody involved and let them use their gifts and I think that is such a tremendous gift so yeah
1: thanks for joining us man yeah absolutely thank you for the opportunity
0: and make sure you guys check out oasis music on spotify apple music check out the new ep it's called the family room part one Thanks for joining us on the Loop Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.